You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You you can just go ahead and open again over to Philippians chapter 3. We're just going to spend a moment there. We've been in this series, as you know, for a number of weeks, and we started out talking about the warnings that Paul gave uh, to Timothy over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, where he talked about people that he knew that had, the way that he put it was, had shipwrecked their faith. And they'd done that by not holding on to their faith and not holding on to what he called a clean conscience at the time. Um, And so we looked at that, and then over the last couple of weeks, we've really emphasized this, uh, this term perseverance, and, and you'll remember that. It was, it's a term, it's a, in the Greek language, it, it's a term for a grace that God gives us to remember it. We, we really looked at this uh, last week and the week before. That grace, grace is always a gift. It's an empowering gift that the Lord gives to us. And that grace of perseverance is something that has the ability to work on the inside of it. The, the, the definition of it says to contend against. Remember that? To contend against. It rises up in us and enables us to contend against the various hindrances and temptations and troubles that we run into in life. And so uh, we've, we looked at a number of scriptures that talked about that. And we looked, uh, we were over in, Philippians chapter 3, and I just want to look at these uh, verses. We've been launching off of this particular verse. This, this, this idea that we need to stay on course for our whole life, this idea that God empowers us to, I, I love that terminology, to actually contend against things that would come into our life to drive us off course, to to interrupt our relationship with God, to pull us out of his purpose for our our lives, all of those types of things, there are things all around us. In fact, let me just just read this to you. It's just one part of it, but I, I just, I said this last week, I think we can't afford to live with a passive theology these days. We can't, I don't know that you've ever been able to, but but we can't afford to just buy into this sort of passive Christianity that we're just sort of here, you know, we gave our lives to Jesus and now we're just kind of going through and whatever God's will is, it'll just happen. And if it's not God's will, it just won't happen. There's no part for us. We're on the sidelines, we're watching the game. Uh, Jesus will just step in and do everything. That's not what the Bible teaches. And and it's a there loads of scriptures in the New Testament that talk to us about our prayer life. They talk to us about the words that we speak. They talk to us about the things that we believe. We're told over and over and over to be awake, to be aware, to be watching what's going on, to be praying, to be, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's part, that's our role to be praying and releasing the kingdom of God on earth. And so right now, we're living surrounded, really immersed. I mean, you know, I say surrounded, really it's a sphere. You know, we're living in a culture and a world that holds a secular worldview. And and that doesn't just mean um, 
people that reject the idea of God, it, again, it's a worldview. It's, it's kind of in the fabric of our whole society and, and the way things are run, the, the things that come to us through the media, through the movies, through things we read, through conversations we have. Lots of pieces to it. But what this is what, this is the heart of a secular worldview. Okay, four things. The first one is that self is the ultimate authority. Okay, you're your own ultimate authority. All right, so what you decide for your life, that's right, and no one should question that. Okay, whatever you decide is truth, it's truth for you. You recognize the, the argument. So there's, a, there's an issue right away with the kingdom of God. And, and all of us are in a position where we, we have to choose a kingdom. Okay, we got to choose. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. But in our life every day, we still have this ability, this privilege, uh, the freedom to choose who our king is. Is it Jesus? Is it the world? Is it me? Not me, you, okay? Each of us, all right? Who is in charge? And what the, the secular worldview says, yourself ultimately yourself, all right? So self is the ultimate authority. Happiness is the ultimate goal, all right? Uh, so whatever you do, it just needs to be what makes you happy. If it makes you happy, then it's good. If it makes you happy, then that's what you should do because you're in charge, you are the center of the universe. And so whatever makes you happy, that's what you should pursue. That's what you should do. And you see it, you see this everywhere, Third, judgment is the ultimate sin. And by judgment, what the secular worldview means is to have any opinion about right and wrong. So it, it really, you know, you can, you can hold, and the, the fourth one is that God, uh, some people put it as the ultimate question. So in other words, it's not that everybody out there doesn't believe that there is a God, but the, but the idea is, well, there might be, there might not be. There's no way you could know because science doesn't prove it. So there's no way you could know, but it, it might be. And if you want to believe in a God, that's just fine. Just don't share that with anybody else. Just keep it to yourself. So anyway, and, and the idea, especially with the judgment part, that, you know, judgment is the ultimate sin. And yet that secular worldview view is full of judgment. It's full, just, just try to not agree with it and you'll find judgment. So my point in this, because I don't want to get off in all of that today, is that there is a fabric around us, okay? And we're instructed in the New Testament not to just know about it and not pay any attention to it. Inside of ourselves and over our hearts, there are things we need to contend against in every one of our lives. And we could go through dozens of things but we've just been we've just been focusing on these five issues because these are things that historically defeat a lot of Christians pull a lot of people and non-Christians I suppose but they pull a lot of people off course and every one of these things are common they are common to every one of them every one of these things we will all experience okay but what we do with that experience makes a difference in where we go in our life. Do you get that?
Okay, so what you say? Oh, that God is the ultimate question. Okay, someday we're going to dig into that, but not today. All right, um, so these four, disappointment, betrayal, regret, loss. I'm sorry, these five. Don't be shouting numbers at me. Not on, what a perfect storm today, okay? We have a big snowstorm, so everybody's tired. Then we have daylight savings time ends, so everybody loses an hour of sleep. Then we come in here, and Michaela's not here making coffee for everybody. I mean, it's amazing that we're doing anything today, okay? Um, so, uh, any one of those things can stop your forward progress. You can get hung up on it, shipwrecked on it. And so we just need to learn how to navigate these different things because every one of them is totally common. So the verses we're launching off of for this section of this teaching are Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 that we dug into a few weeks ago where Paul said, one thing I do, this was, this was his decision, this is how I approach my life, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven, heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we said last week, you go through these different things, he says, I'm forgetting what's behind he just listed a bunch of his past. So we know he doesn't mean I'm denying the existence of my past. I'm, I can't remember my past. Okay, it's not that. But he's disarming or dethroning the events of his life, the things he's gone through, the things he's faced. And he actually, in his list, has a bunch of good things. His education, a bunch of good things, his position in society. But he says, I'm not going to let those things direct my future. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm going to focus. The, he, he said, the, the primary privilege, the focus of my life is on knowing Christ, knowing Jesus more and more and more. So Paul sets this boundary about his past. So we're talking about how do we go through these different issues? And I just want to add one thing. Last week we looked at disappointment. We're not going to go back through all that. But you know, is defined as sadness or frustration arising from a failure to have or enjoy something we hoped for or expected. We all know what that's like, something we've hoped for, something we've put our hopes in, something. And, and again, the, the, the amount of our future that we saw wrapped up in whatever that thing was, and then it didn't happen, it got taken away from us, whatever, that, that determines the, the size of the disappointment. We have little disappointments, we have big disappointments. What I wanted to add to that, because we studied that last week, but what I wanted to add to that was, I think one of the most dangerous types of disappointment, sometimes it's just once, you know, even as big a deal as it is, it's one disappointment, Okay. But sometimes, depending on what the issue is, it's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And one of the clearest examples of that that I've witnessed with people is when people, uh, we've known a number of young couples who they wanted to get pregnant and they were unable to get pregnant. And, and they were believers, you know, they're believing God to have children. And, and month after month after month, after month, they had to, they had to face 
that disappointment and yet keep hope alive in their hearts. And for some of them, they never did have children. They adopted children. Lord, change their focus. It's just my point in this is, if you're in that type of deal where that disappointment's going to come up again and again and again, might be a person disappointing you again and again and again. I think one of the greatest keys is, again, this seems to be coming up, keeping your focus on the Lord. Sometimes the problem is our hope is misdirected. And and we we finally get to a point where we're open enough for the Lord to change that hope and direct. Sometimes a little change, sometimes it's a big change. But we come to a point where the Lord speaks something new or speaks something different. Other times, the Lord keeps saying, no, I want you to keep believing for this. I want you to keep believing for this. And and But if we keep connected, God is really good. He is the God of all hope. And he is good at just continuing to regenerate hope on the inside of us when we have not seen the promise come to pass. So I just wanted to say, if you're in one of those positions, you've just got to really focus on the Lord. Hear his word. Hear the things that he's saying to you. Okay? So today we're going to look at betrayal. All right, betrayal. Okay, betrayal is defined as a deep violation of your trust through treachery or disloyalty, usually committed by a close friend, a family member, a companion, a business partner, a spouse, whatever it might be. Okay, betrayal. It's a violation of trust. It's a situation where you have invested trust in a person. It could be a it could be a business partner. It could be somebody uh, that you've trained up. It could be a husband or a wife. It could be uh, a parent. It could be a teacher. It could be any number of things. Sometimes this is somebody you should have been able to trust many times. It's somebody you should have been able to trust, but they violated your trust. They might have violated you physically, sexually, spiritually, all kinds of ways. Somebody might have, you might have really invested in them as an employee or a partner in a business. And as soon as they get far enough in it, they turn around and and go compete with you across town with no agreement on that. Lots of different ways that people can be betrayed by another person. Some of the things, and I'll just say this, uh, sometimes we feel betrayed when maybe it really didn't come to that level. That person's heart was not to betray us, okay? They didn't set out to betray us, but we still feel betrayed. Again, just like disappointment, the scripture is filled with examples of betrayal. Joseph, right, was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery and if you look through his life, I mean, we have that, we have, man, we have a lot of Joseph's life recorded. They, they, his, his brothers betrayed him. Family members betrayed him. Those he should have been able to trust betrayed him. Sold him into slavery. Jealousy was at work there, right? But if you watch his life, and there were others that betrayed him. The guys he was in jail with didn't do what they said they were going to do, you know? And yet, he ends up right next to Pharaoh in charge of the nation. God brought him through betrayal after betrayal after disappointment after disappointment. These things all tie together. 
and he lifted him to the place that he wanted him, that he had purpose for Joseph to have. So the fact that he was betrayed and he was genuinely betrayed and he was betrayed by people he should have been able to trust, but that didn't change God's plan for his life. And that's a place to latch some hope. If you, are, if you have been betrayed, if you are feeling betrayed, you can put some hope in that, that in, in many of these situations in the scripture, somebody was betrayed but God still got them there. God still got them. And the cool thing about Joseph is the end of the story, he comes back and forgives his family and brings them into the blessing that God had put on his life. So you may feel today like, man, I've been betrayed. I can never forgive this person. You just have to take hold of the fact, no, God can work forgiveness in you. You can come through that thing, you can be strong, you can come out the other side, and you can actually not just, because sometimes when we're betrayed, our response is, well, I'm just going to, boy, when I have a chance to get back at them, you know, I'm, I'm going to take that chance when I get it. Um, I had a guy when I was a real young Christian, this, this guy, truck driver, came into this concrete plant we were working at, and he had stolen somebody's CB radio at a truck stop. And... Uh, and his comment, I was just a new Christian. I'd only been born again for a few months. And his comment about it was, well, somebody stole mine and I'm just doing unto them the way they done unto me. And I said to him, I said, I don't think that's what that says, <laughs> you know. And I was right. He didn't like it, but I was right. So anyway, sometimes we get that, you know, we want to we want to have revenge. We want to do all of that will take you off course we let ourselves get into resentment, and bitterness, and a failure mentality, and uh, it'll just, it will take you off course. That's how you can get shipwrecked in all of this. So, so there are many ways, and, and so just a couple more. Um, David was betrayed by his son, Absalom, right? David was also a betrayer in the case of Uriah. And, and Bathsheba, right? And David had both of those things going on in his life. He had been betrayed and he was a betrayer. And look what God did with him. Look where God took him. Look at the fact that still our Savior came through his lineage still. And he, he repented of his sin. He got free from that. And he was able to finish his course and finish his life. So I just say all that to say, you know, betrayal does not need to hang you up. It does not need uh, to hang you up for your whole life. Um, obviously, Jesus, we look at the New Testament when we think right away of Judas. And yes, Judas did betray Jesus. Peter also betrayed Jesus on a, on a different level. Jesus, Peter you know, one of, the, one of the inner three denied him three times. We see him go through all that. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? He said, okay, Peter, you're out of here. That's it. You're not, I've got nothing more to do with you. No, he, he went after his resurrection. He went specifically. In fact, when he, uh, when he was raised from the dead, he, he told the women, go and tell my disciples and Peter, Okay, tell Peter specifically, take this message to Peter. He started to minister to Peter. And so we, we just see, and you see, you know, where, where Peter went in life. Okay, and, and so Judas didn't end up so good. I, I have to admit that. But, but uh, 
Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Jesus was betrayed by Peter. Jesus was betrayed by people, you know, we're coming up to pretty soon up to Passover and and Easter for us. You know, the the people that were there that welcomed him, the crowds that lined the streets and welcomed him into Jerusalem the during the Passover week, a lot of those same people were shouting for his death just a few days later. So the Bible tells us Jesus has experienced everything that we experience, right? And yet was without sin. So it's not like he doesn't know how we feel. It's not like he hasn't experienced it and he can lift us out of all of that. Okay, so so let's look at this a little bit. So betrayal, what it wants to tell you, okay, the voice of betrayal, okay, it essentially brings fear into our lives. It wants to sow seeds of distrust. It wants to sow seeds of suspicion. It wants to sow seeds of cynicism and encourage you to take up a defensive posture around your life. The betrayal wants you to insulate your life from close relationship. It wants you to come to the conclusion that you can't trust anybody. Listen to this. We just talked about secular worldview. Betrayal wants to tell you you're the only one you can trust. You can't really trust anybody else. No matter how much they tell you they love you, no matter how much they've, they've served you and, and acted like they love you, you know what? You better not trust them because if you trust them, you're going to get hurt. That's what betrayal wants to do. Okay, and if, again, if you experience it over and over, we want to insulate ourselves. We want to build a wall around our heart. We don't want to become vulnerable to anybody. And close relationship only works with vulnerability. It only works when we make ourselves vulnerable. And honestly, betrayal is part of the human condition. Again, it's another one of these things we see throughout the Bible. That means it's part of the fallen human condition. All right, and that's no excuse for it. It just means we're going to experience it at some point. And we should never, you listen to me, we should never let anything that's a part of the fallen human condition become our measure for who God is or what he has for. We should never, I, I, whatever, whatever it is, I hear this so much. People, uh, well, you know, if God's a good God, why I watch his people and they're not very nice. Or I, you know, I went to church and people didn't treat me right. Or whatever it is, it's a part of the fallen human condition. And we, we want to take that and paint God with that picture. There are all kinds of things that we do, we Christians do, that do not reflect well on the character of God. So in your own life, don't ever allow that. Don't let that voice get in you. It says, just never trust anybody again, all right? If you keep your people at a distance, you'll be safe, you'll be happy. It's a lie. We weren't made for that. We were made for relationship. We were made for uh, intimate relationship with people. Um, Betrayal by leaders or people in authority is one of the most harmful uh, manifestations of betrayal. It, it can just, you know, I've had times in my life where there have been Christian leaders that I I drew a lot from, and I and 
The interesting thing is that after that leader fell, I was very disappointed and felt kind of cut off from a, a source that w- God had really fed us through some of these people. And, uh, and when that happened, yeah, you, you feel betrayed and you feel disappointed and you feel hurt and you feel a loss. You feel that whole list, okay? But what was interesting was the things that were shared before that person fell were still good. That person had been sharing the word of God and sharing some great perspectives. And we still function in some of them today. But there was a, there was a disconnect from this person. We felt betrayed. And when that happens uh, with Christian leaders or with, you know, again, it might have been somebody in your life, might have been a parent, might have been a, anybody in authority, a, a teacher, a babysitter, whatever it might have been, the, the, the devil likes to grab onto things like that and try and put a message in there that isn't true. Likes to say, here we are back to the secular worldview, you are the ultimate authority. You can't trust any authority. You can't trust any church leader. You can't trust any pastor. You can't trust any teacher. You can't trust any politician. You can't trust anyone in authority, so you better be your own authority. That's the message that tries to come in on the back of a, of a betrayal, especially by someone who stands in a position of authority. So we need to recognize in those times that what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to attack your trust and your ability to trust through betrayal. He's trying to take you to this place where your faith would be shipwrecked. You can no longer put confidence in anyone. And when we pull all that back in, here's, here's the issue with that. You still with me? Here's the issue with that. When we stop trusting another person, we can't receive from that person. All kinds of other things start to happen. We start to see those people through through a different lens, that kind of thing. But when we stop trusting in particular a category of people, let's talk about that. You stop trusting all church leaders because of what one church leader did, you're not going to be able to receive from any church leaders. That makes sense to you? If, if you stop, tr- and ultimately what the devil wants to work in your heart is an inability to trust God. He wants to shipwreck your faith. He, wa- he wants you to just have a philosophy in your head, but not a faith that connects with the Lord and receives from him. All right, this is why there's such a demonic strategy right now to say, you know what, all Christians are evil. You may think that's extreme. I see it all the time. I, and Karen and I talk about this all the time. If we're watching a show and, and it's a, a lot of times we're watching um, like cop shows and stuff. And uh, if a Christian shows up or especially a preacher, well, spoiler, you already know they're the, they're the devil. They're the person that's doing the murder. They're the person that's doing it. If it's a Christian and they're in the movie, they're going to be painted as evil. This is just the way it is. In almost, almost everything you see, there's a message there, okay? Why? Because the church is the foundation and the pillar of the truth in this society. And if you don't trust a group of people, you can't receive from them. Look at John chapter 5 with me. John chapter 5. I don't have any of these up on your screen. So, Uh, John chapter 5, we're going to begin with 
verse 38. I'll look at several verses here. John chapter 5, verse 38. This is from the Amplified. It says, Jesus speaking, okay, to the religious leaders. He says, you do not have his word, the scripture, abiding in you, actually living in your hearts and minds, because you do not believe in him whom he has sent. All right, so do you see it? Because you don't receive the person, Jesus, the word doesn't go into your heart. You, ha- you do not have God the Father's word in you because you don't receive the messenger, is what he's saying. If they wouldn't receive the messenger, they could not receive the message. Okay, he goes on and he says, you search and keep on searching and examining the scriptures. So these people are looking at the word, right? They're looking at the word because you think it says that in them you have eternal life. Yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me. The word always points back to Jesus, okay? And still you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So the idea is until you can receive the person, until you can receive the messenger, you're not going to be able to receive the message. The word's not going to live in you. There's another one. You don't have to turn there. John 8, 37. Uh, again, you know, same chapters, same, same group of people he's talking to. And he says, yes, I know that you're Abraham's offspring, yet you plan to kill me because, why? My word has no entrance. It makes no progress. It does not find any place in you. So same subject, they, they won't receive the messenger. And he says that causes the word to have no entrance. There's no place for it to get into their heart. That principle works on every level. If we don't, I mean, just think about it in your life. If you don't trust somebody, I mean, sometimes this is a smart thing to do. If you don't trust somebody, you don't receive from them. You don't receive. But the problem is, if that gets to be our whole mindset, that we're not going to trust anybody. And this is what betrayal wants to do. It wants to bring you in, isolate you, put you down. So we're going to have to figure out how to navigate through that and come out the other side. The irony of it is that a lot of times the, the betrayal produces shame in the person who was betrayed. They begin to feel unworthy. They begin to feel, well, you know, this how it must be me. It must be my fault. I must not be, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. I'm not, I'm not worthy. It must be me. And that's just another one of the, you can see how all these things tend to pull us into us, right? Just pull us in and break us from having open relationship with anybody. And I'm not suggesting if you've been genuinely betrayed that you should continue a relationship with the betrayer. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying what we've got to do is be really careful about what it's doing to our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts because we, we don't want to get to where we're that person that just says, you know what, I just won't trust anybody and then life will be good, you know, and there's a lot of that around and we need to be able to minister to people like there's a lot of that around because so many people have been injured and hurt. You're never going to fulfill God's purpose from your life for for your life from a place of isolation. It's just not the way his plan works. So let me just give you two quick principles. 
out of time again. Too bad. Get used to it. I guess you are. You wouldn't be here. Two quick principles, all right, for overcoming betrayal. The first one is, you know, you know what I'm going to say. We need to learn how to forgive by faith. Because forgiveness is not always easy. And we're going to talk about this more. I'm not going to spend much time on it this morning because we're going to talk about this more when we talk about offense. But Jesus made it really clear. If we don't forgive others, the way it's written in English, it, it, um, it sounds like, well, if you don't forgive, then God's just going to refuse to forgive you. That's not really the way that reads. But the idea is if we don't forgive we essentially close the door to forgiveness. We can't receive forgiveness. Apparently they go through the same door in our heart because we can't receive forgiveness that's offered when we close the door to forgiving others. All right, and we can talk about that more in coming weeks. But Jesus did make it really important. The Amplified Bible, this is Matthew 6, 14 and 15, by the way. The Amplified Bible says, if you don't forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. Okay, so, so we're really coming to the point here is that whenever we experience any of these things, you know, disappointment, betrayal, offense, whatever it is, when we experience those things, okay, you've been betrayed. All right, that is a fact, at that point. It is something that has happened. It's a fact. Okay? But what you do with that fact, what feelings you allow to be attached to that fact, that's where we have a choice between an event and where our heart and mind goes with it. We have a choice right there. And I know, again, this is very countercultural. It's like, oh no, if something happened, you don't have any control over your feelings. Yes, we do. And it really goes to what Boyd was saying about renewing the mind. This is, Jesus, or the scripture tells us, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. All right? So the idea is we have a thought, we have an event, we have a fact, we have something that happens in our life. It happened. That's a fact. It happened. Okay? But right there, if I start to attach anger, if I start to attach resentment, if I start to pull back within myself, if I start to let thoughts come in that say, you know what, you can't trust people, if I allow those thoughts to attach to the event, then I'm going to get off course. But if instead at that moment I say, no, I'm not going down that road. Yes, I did experience a betrayal. But you know what? The Lord is capable of dealing with my heart. The scripture tells me that Christ in me will forgive that person and that I am to pray for my enemies. All right? I'm to pray for those who abuse me. I'm to pray. It doesn't mean I have to, I may not... What happens with the relationship beyond this point is a different story, okay? But if we make the choice about what we're going to do about relationships, I hope this is making sense. The fact happens right there. I choose what I'm going to feel about that fact. I choose right there what I am going to attach to that fact. And if I choose what the Word of God has said, 
then I can make a clean choice about where I will go from them. And it may very well be this relationship is not going to happen anymore, but I'm not making that decision from bitterness, from anger, from offense, from revenge, from even from self-protection. I'm making that based on where the Lord is leading me. Does that make sense to you? Okay, that's part of the process of renewing our minds. When something happens, I am going to think, of, I'm going to put it in the same context that Jesus did, not in the context that my emotions might dictate. Okay, does that make sense to you? Okay, I don't hear very many yeses out there. Okay, um, so one more and then we'll be done this morning. This is John chapter two. This is really important. I think this is really the heart and key of what we're uh, digging into here this morning. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, all right? I believe one of the biggest safeguards we can put over our hearts is to understand, like we said before, there are things that are part of the human condition. We're going to make mistakes and hurt other people. Other people are going to make mistakes and hurt us. Some people are evil. Some, there are going to be things that are just evil that happen in the earth. Nevertheless... I am going to go forward and stay on course with the Lord. Here's Jesus, John chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name. Okay? When they saw the signs which he did, many believed in his name. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So here's Jesus. He's, he's doing signs and wonders. He's getting a lot of approval. He's getting lots of followers on social media. He's got all these people saying, you're the greatest thing in the world. And yet in the midst of all that approval, it says he didn't commit himself to them. Now we know that Jesus was committed to all of them to the extent that he laid down his life for all of us, right? He, he followed through on the love of God. He loved people like nobody had ever loved people. He laid down his life. He demonstrated what love is all about. But it says he knew human nature. So even with all these people approving of him, he didn't commit himself to them. It's really interesting because that word commit there is actually the word that's usually translated believing. And it means to place the weight of your life on someone that you've put trust in. You place the weight of your life. In other words, when it comes to believing, we trust God. And so now I'm going to put the whole weight of my life on him. And it says Jesus didn't do that. In other words, he didn't need that approval from people. He didn't require those relationships in order to know who he was and what his purpose was and where he was going. He kept his identity and his security in his relationship with the Father. I'm not going to read all of this because we're just way out of time today, but John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. John 13, 1 through 5. This is so clear. This is coming up to the Last Supper. And it says specifically there that uh, that he loved people, but it says he knew 
knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands, that he had come from God and now was returning to God, okay, he knew he was established in the relationship with the Father. I came from God. I'm returning to God. I know what my relationship is with the Father. And from that, what did he do? He stood up from the table and put on a servant's cloth and washed the feet of the, of the guy that was about to betray him. And he knew good and well. But how did he do that? Did he just do that because he was a nice person? No, he did that. It says because he knew who he was with the Father. That's where his security was. That's where his identity was. And that's how we can walk through betrayal, is to be so grounded in the love of God and so grounded in what Jesus has done for us and so grounded in the relationship with the Father. When I blow it, the Father still loves me. He's given me a place to repent of sin. He's given me a place. And from that place, somebody betrays me. I can see it as, this is hurtful. This is awful. This is hard to go through. But you know what? It doesn't change who I am or my relationship with the Father. I can go on in faith toward God. I can get through this. I'm probably going to be hurt for a while but I'm not going to live from hurt. I'm not going to move over into that. I am going to go through this and I'm going to finish the purpose that God has for my life. I will not be derailed. I will not be shipwrecked. I will not be hung up on this thing. You have to make that decision. You got to make that decision. And so a lot of times we just need to get more grounded in who we are in Christ. We need to go to those scriptures again and again. That needs to be the foundation of where our security is, okay? Because you know what? People are people. And I don't mean that to be so negative. It's just people are people, you know? We're called to interact with people. We're called to love people. We're called to be vulnerable to people. And that means sometimes we're going to get hurt. Just don't let it stop you. Does this make sense to you? All right, let's stand up and pray. And in particular, this morning, there may be some in here or some online that you're dealing with betrayal right now. It's hanging on. Okay, you've been, you've been there, but it's hanging on. And I want our prayer to focus on that this morning as we wrap up today. Sometimes these things, I feel like for somebody, it's quite a while ago that this betrayal occurred, but it has continued to affect your trust in people but what you don't know is it is already affecting your trust in God. I just know that's for somebody. So you don't want to let that happen. So let's pray together. Father, Lord, I just come before you this morning. And Lord, I, I pray for all of us because all of us experience betrayal. But in particular, for anyone who has become, they, they've gotten hung up there. Lord, it has stopped their forward progress or slowed their forward progress. And Lord, I pray this morning we agree together, Father, first of all, for their freedom. Lord, for them to be free from the pain of that betrayal and whatever lies it has sown into their hearts, we pray that those would be highlighted, that the light would come on and, and the roaches would scatter. Lord, the light would come on and the lies would scatter out of the heart. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that that person, those people, Father, we would be able to find that place in you to truly release 
people to release the betrayer, to release the person that hurt us. Lord, to put them back in your hands and that again, we would turn our eyes back on you and receive the strength to go forward from this place. Father, we declare this morning that as people choose to set their eyes back on you about this specific subject, that there is freedom for them. That Lord, I believe those those tentacles that are holding, those chains that are holding them to that spot in their past. We declare them cut and broken this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And that, Father, I I just see that just freedom, that breaking free and again moving forward in you. And Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would bring restoration in those lives. You would bring people back to that foundation, to that place that they need to be. So that, Lord, they can once again, and it's supernatural. I can sense it. It is just supernatural. It, some of these people feel they would never trust again. You've even said, I will never trust again. And yet you will. And it will be the grace of God working in you and through you to others. And Father, this morning, we thank you for that. We thank you for freedom. Thank you for every chain being broken in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen all right thank you for being patient okay all right if you need prayer for anything else or whatever in particular come on up afterwards I'd love to pray for you otherwise we will say it on the count of three Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world will be dismissed one two three Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world amen Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.